With Tziyata Dishmaya, we were able to, with Hashem's help, Hashem is amazing, we were able to receive a Sefer that just came out, which is the second uh, edition, basically, from Rabbi Menachem Neisel, which uh, lives in Hornoff, and uh, his lovely Rebetzin, uh, was able to uh, let me know that she had available now the next edition of the book, uh, Rigshay Lev, which is Woman in Tefillah. So I want to be able to incorporate this as well because I know the book was out of print for a while and they were coming with an updated version, which we now have in our possession. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, what's in uh, the Sefer of, uh, as brought down by Rabbi Menachem Neisel. Okay, so he brings here the purpose of tefillah. So we have an understanding of what's the purpose. And so he talks here, let's bring down, he brings down here about praying for rain. So he says, imagine Adam and Ishan opening his eyes for the very first time. How do we picture it? And he sees a beautiful lush garden, a pan, panoply of color, gorgeous array of flowers, vegetation, trees. The first moment of man is a visual delight, a celebration of existence. Wrong. Let's try again. Hazal teaches that Adam Arishon opens his eyes and sees a bleak and barren world. No colors, no flowers or foliage. He's surrounded with desolation and earth forlorn and hues of brown and gray. Adam looks deeply into himself and understands that in order to survive, in order to justify the purpose of his creation, he must nurture and build the world around him. But when Adam Arishon looks at the miserable earth, he recognizes his total inadequacy, inadequacy to fulfill his task. He feels a deep emptiness and existential void. He has been created to he has been created incomplete for this task. Adam Ishan looks heavenward and he does something that represents the most, the most basic instinct of humanity, something that connects all of mankind in every culture and in every age. He does an act perfected by the Avos, purified by the Kohen Gadol, as he enters the Holy of Holies in Yom Kippur, performed by the generations begging for Mashiach, yet also practiced by the lowly thief that he breaks into his victim's house. What does he do? He prays. And Adam Adishon pours out his heart to his Creator, acknowledging his inadequacy and beseeching the Almighty for help. Within moments, the rains come pouring down. Within moments, the goodness of the earth bursts forth and the arid ground transforms into the glorious Garden of Eden. Man has prayed and God has answered. And the rest of history follows in much the same pattern. You and I are now like Adam Arishon. The word Adam, man, has the same root as the word Adama, earth. And we're going to later explain in detail, man who is made from Adama justifies his existence by bringing out the potential of the Adama. And thousands of years later, you and I are still planting seeds in the ground, justifying our own existence. The earth still needs to be plowed, planted in water to bring out its innate goodness. And how is this expressed in practice? We build a home, raise children, and work to improve society. And as Jews, we study Torah and build the world through Hesed by caring for the many needs of Klad Israel. And we too feel inadequate. And we need rain. We pray for rain three times a day. The Sukkot festival revolves around the need for rain. And there's a whole tractate in the Talmud, tractate Tanis, which deals with the halachot regarding rain. So why are we so obsessed with rain? 
especially in our modern non-agrarian society. Rain remains the everlasting symbol of the earth's dependence on heaven. The natural influence of Shemayim, heaven, on the Adama is expressed through rain. The word Geshem, rain, is related to the word Gashmi, physical. Rain symbolizes Ruchanus, Shehi Gashem, the transformation of the spiritual into the physical. When we look heavenward for our many earthly needs and ask for healthy children, success in a business venture, or protection from for Eretz Yisrael, we are requesting the transformation of the spiritual into the physical. We are asking for rain. And we, like Adam and Hishon before us, enter the world of prayer. And the Adama is dependent on Shemayim for Geshem. So too we express our eternal dependence on our Creator. So now let's go a little deeper. All of prayer is asking for miracles, right? A miracle is defined as something le-mala min ha-teva, an event running beyond the course of nature. A miracle is not just an event that defies nature, such as switching the gender of a fetus, which we should not pray for. A miracle includes stretching the bounds of nature beyond that which is expected. This is the essential request of all prayer. So imagine that a person is about to have an operation and the doctor says that the chances of survival are 50%. Nature dictates that his chances of survival are one in two. And similarly, suppose you want to open a new business in a field where, where, where one, is in, one in two businesses go bankrupt within the first year. So your chances of commercial survivor, survival are 50-50. Nature is beyond the laws of statistics. Nature dictates that the strong defeat the weak. And the large and mighty nations defeat small and feeble ones. We pray and ask Hashem to override the laws of statistics so that the sick with only a slight chance of survival can survive. We ask that our business ventures succeed no matter what the pundits have predicted is, is possible. In the world of prayer, the weak can defeat the strong. As history has shown with prayer, a ragged army of frail Maccabean yeshiva students can defeat the invincible Greek army. So in other words, when we make our 13 requests, which compromise the central core of the Shmona Esrei, ranging from personal requests for wisdom, health, and prosperity to national requests for the rebuilding of Yerushalayim, we are in fact saying the following. Hashem, without your divine intervention, we are left to the laws of nature and statistics. And in such a state, we cannot survive. We are as helpless as Adam after the first moment of his creation. We too want to work the Adama. Please send down Geshem, from the heavens. We need miracles. And the ultimate pleasure here comes when Hashem has Hashem has his own reason for wanting our tefillot. And picture a devoted father looking forward to his busy teenage daughter's weekly request for pocket money. His only chance to spend quality time with the daughter so he loves. He loves her so much. And similarly, our Father in Heaven enjoys the special moments when we take three steps forward to speak to him. To understand this on a deeper level, we need to ask a few questions. Why did Hashem create Adam inadequate? Why did Hashem make mankind's first moment of awareness so filled with despair? And the Talmud answers, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires the prayers of the Sadiqim. Adam Arishon's role as a creation that must perfect the world was transferred to the Abos. And the term Avos here includes the Imahos and then to Klar Israel. And we see that both 
the Abos and Klal Israel play Act 1, Scene 1, and the life of Adam Arishon. And the first personal information that the Torah tells us about the Abos is that Sarai was barren. And the Abbas were denied their most fundamental aspiration to build Klad Israel. And Azal comments, why were our Abbas barren? Because Kakadosh Baruchu desires the prayers of the Sadiqim. The first collective expression of Klad Israel as a nation is when the children of Israel groaned in prayer. So why, why, why were the Jewish people born into the suffering of Egyptian, Egyptian bondage? Ensuring that their first natural expression would be prayer. And similarly, why did, why did HaKadosh Hu put Klal Israel through the terror of being locked in by the mighty Egyptian army and the sea just after they finally left Egypt? And again, Azal answers, it's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires the prayers of the Sadiqim. So at first glance, this answer is hard to understand. Why would Hashem create suffering just to hear prayers from the Sadiqim? And surely those who have totally dedicated their lives to his service should not have to suffer. But yet, from their very first steps, Hashem singles these righteous people out for hardship, hardship just so that he can hear their prayers. And furthermore, how can we understand why Hashem desires prayers? And one can dismiss such behavior from a flesh and blood king as the antics of someone with an inflated ego. Hashem, however, has no human attributes and no ego. And more to the point, why would the Creator care to be praised by His own creations? It seems as meaningless as getting pleasure from a robot that you programmed to salute you. So in order to answer these questions, we have to ask probably the most important question of all. Why did Hashem create man? And Hashem created man because He's good. God is the ultimate good. He defines goodness. A part of His goodness is His desire to share goodness with his creations and therefore Hashem created the world with man as its centerpiece so that he can bestow goodness onto man and since God is the ultimate good the greatest good that God can give man is a connection with himself there is no greater good than closeness to Hashem and so that's the reason God created man was to give man the ultimate pleasure a relationship with God and so now let's follow this through step by step instinctively man pursues pleasure and so a wise man pursues good pleasure so what makes something good physical pleasures are limited in their goodness so how much will a person pay for a luxury car or a gourmet meal at a restaurant beyond a certain price a sane person will no longer part with his money but certain pleasures are priceless so try to put a price on a friendship or on the pleasure of, of a mother that feels seeing her daughter under the chuppah or on the feeling that you have just taught your child something valuable there is no price these pleasures have a spiritual quality to them that make them priceless and the more spiritual the pleasure the greater the feeling that the pleasure is meaningful and good so the ultimate pleasure is the ultimate spiritual experience so hence the greatest pleasure we can experience is the relationship with Hashem so in this world, it's hard to have a relationship with Hashem and we are caught up in the hustle and bustle of our daily lives. And even with a life permeated with Torah and means both, it's difficult. It's difficult to think of God when we're breaking our head over a hard gemara or helping a little old lady across the road. We really are like the teenage daughter who has no time for her father. So how can we develop a relationship with Hashem 
and enjoy the greatest pleasure possible in this world. And so we can enter the world of prayer. Prayer is the natural form in which we can form a relationship with Hashem. We take three steps forward and find ourselves in front of His divine presence. No one is allowed to walk in front of us because it's rude to interrupt the conversation. We talk to Him, cry to Him, praise Him, and thank Him. He listens to every word we say. No prayer from the heart has ever been wasted. So if we are fully focused on Hashem's closeness at this moment, we experience a pleasure that has no equal in this world. This is the moment that fulfills the purpose of creation, a moment of closeness between man and God. And now we can understand the real reason why man finds himself in a perpetual state of inadequacy. Hashem engineers the world to provide man with the constant opportunity to develop a relationship with him. All the complexities of life are excuses that enable us to experience the pleasure of closeness to Hashem. All our challenges, problems, and torments are roads that lead to prayer. And in addition, out of all of his creations, it is to Sadiqim that Hashem desires to be closest and to give the most pleasure. HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires the prayers of Sadiqim out of his infinite love for them and the suffering of the Avos and Cloud Israel are a means to facilitate our father's bestowal of an infinite goodness on his children. And from the very first moment, Hashem singles them out for a special treatment. For example, Sarah is denied her most basic expression as a Jewish woman. And Sarai was barren. And Sarah is the one who laughs, laughs, and laughs loudest as the joyful mother of Israel in this world and the next. And nevertheless, whether we are Sadiqim or not, the purpose of prayer remains the same. Hashem created a world in which we cannot survive without tefillah because Hashem wants to keep us close. And so now we have two themes in prayers, right? Our first theme portrays the world of prayer as a world in which inadequate men brings God into his life in order to survive. And as we travel through life and face a myriad of obstacles in our quest to work the Adama, tefillah is our opportunity to turn to Shemayim and ask for rain. And our second theme describes prayer as a special opportunity to develop a relationship with Hashem. It's our little space in this world for the ultimate pleasure, closeness with the ultimate good. And these two themes seem to be at odds with one another. And it's a relationship with Hashem is the means to solve our many problems or are our many problems a means to have a relationship with Hashem? And the answer is astonishing. And although it seems counterintuitive, all our struggles are in fact nothing more than a means to have a relationship with Hashem. And every challenge, pain, and moment of suffering from the anguish of Adam Adishon when he opened his eyes for the very first time to the agony of the birth pains of the Messianic era exists so that man can connect to God. And the act of prayer is not a solution to man's inadequacy. Rather, man's inadequacy is an opportunity for prayer. And so our challenge is to internalize this crucial point. When life seems to be good, when we sometimes see prayer as a chore, part of our daily ritual, which we squeeze in between brushing our teeth and breakfast. And when life seems to be bad, we rush to our sedurum to solve our problems. And in fact, 
all of life events are just roads to prayer. And when the road is smooth, Hashem is challenging us to acknowledge that we can take nothing for granted and are totally dependent on Him. And when the road is rocky, He's giving us the opportunity for extra intensity in prayer to achieve an even higher level of closeness to Him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires the prayers of the Sadi King. Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Ve'Amen.